In the name of God who creates, redeems, and sanctifies. Amen. This story from Acts is one of my favorite stories in all of scripture. It is the story of a man from far away, from a completely different culture and life, who by all accounts at this point wouldn't have counted. He would have remained an outsider and a foreigner no matter what he did. He wouldn't have been invited to be part of the Jesus movement or of the people of Israel. After all, he looks very different. Literally, his body, his build, the color of his skin would have been very different from the disciples and from Jesus. His position in the world as a servant to a foreign ruler, as a eunuch on top of that, all would have disqualified him from converting to be a member of the people of Israel. Even if he had wanted to, he would never have been seen as equal, as a member, as an inheritor, as a full person who was a part of the covenant that God made with Abraham. And we are still in the Easter season, so it's important for us to remember that all of these things we hear in scripture, all of these stories are very new still for the disciples. This is very shortly after the resurrection, some closer than others, but still all relatively within a short frame of time. And so the disciples and the apostles at this point would identify themselves as Jewish, as members of the people of Israel, as inheritors of the covenant God made with Abraham. That hasn't changed yet, and it doesn't change for quite a while. And so when we come to these stories, it's important for us to remember that these people still believe they are Jewish. They wouldn't call themselves Christian yet. They just believe that they've found the Messiah. And so they've formed sort of this offshoot of the traditional faith. So in these early days of the movement, as they're figuring out who they are and who they will be, as they spend much time in the book of Acts navigating who can belong and how they can belong and what that means and whether this movement really is open to everyone, we have sort of very near the beginning of the story of Acts, this very striking story about a foreigner who hears some good news. And look, it's important to see in the story right at the very beginning, right at the beginning of the passage, God is at work. It is God who provides for this foreigner. God literally sends Philip out to the Gaza road to meet him with that express purpose. So from the beginning of the story, from the beginning of the scene, God is very clear about whether or not the foreigner is intended to be invited in. From the very beginning, God already has a plan for this person to incorporate them, this person who is so different and who would traditionally be excluded. It is clearly God's intention for this person to be included. And Philip explains to the foreigner all about scripture and the good news of Jesus. And the foreigner is so overtaken by the story, so hopeful about the good news that he wants to be baptized right there. As soon as he sees water, he is focused and ready to be baptized, to become a part of the movement that very minute. And Philip provides because God provides. And as soon as Philip's work is done there, God snatches Philip away and sends him on to presumably the next chunk of work that he's to do. So what we have in this story, in a very clear and compelling way, is the inclusion of the other, the inclusion of the outsider. Someone who is other in terms of their skin color, in terms of their culture, in terms of their belief system and politics, and in terms of their gender and sexuality. Someone who wouldn't have been included in the way things were in the covenant, in a traditional interpretation of who the people of Israel are and what kind of life they're supposed to live. This, from the very beginning, is someone 
that God provided for. From the very beginning of the story, Philip's job was to go and to help this foreigner convert, to invite him in, to make him part of the Jesus movement and part of the inheritor of this covenant that Jesus makes with us in love. And in many ways, this story helps to set the stage for the Jesus movement, for a movement that is, in fact, open to all people, that values all people regardless of who they are or what their culture or experience is, and says, yes, <laughs> our bottom line, the only thing that matters to us in terms of identity and membership, the only piece that really rules you in or rules you out is whether or not you believe in the good news. If you place your trust in Jesus, if you want to be baptized into his life and into his death, then the answer is yes, full stop, just yes. In the gospel this morning, Jesus shows us a little bit about how that works. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine grower. So just like in the story of the Ethiopian, it is God who provides for the growth of the vine sending Jesus to redeem the world, sending the disciples and apostles like Philip to love and serve and ultimately evangelize the people around them, to bring them into the fold through baptism, to make them part of the vine, part of the body of Jesus Christ. And if, the God, and if God is the vine grower and Jesus is the vine, then what Jesus is telling us here is actually quite a lot in this seemingly pretty simple image. Speaking as he often does in metaphors that he expects his audience to understand, he points to another agricultural image that is simple enough for those of us who may not be the best farmers or the best gardeners or people who have spent quite a lot of time with agriculture. We all know a vine has one source of growth, right? It stretches from one place. It has one life source in the ground where its roots pull up water and nutrients and push them up through the whole length of the vine to the leaves and the tendrils and the branches that start to stretch out and expand. Vines, as we know, grow up and out. And if we're not careful, actually, they'll take over everything, whether it's a lovely vine with flowers or grapes or something more like poison ivy. Vines are intended to spread. They are intended to be in motion, to take over, to spread out, and to influence the world around them. And of course, let's not forget those leaves, tendrils, and branches. Not only do they creep and stretch and spread out, they also take in the sunshine for the vine, taking the water and nutrients they need from the life source, but also giving something back, sharing the light allowing the vine to grow by allowing photosynthesis to happen in them, in the leaves, right? Each one contributing in that way to the life of the whole organism that is spreading out and changing the world around them. So from Jesus, it's a fairly simple metaphor about Jesus being the source of our life, the source of all that we need to live and to thrive, and our being connected to everyone else on the vine, sharing those resources and giving back some of our own some of the light that we pull in, some of the resources that we pull in, as the vine, the movement, spreads out over the whole world, making a difference and changing the world around it. Now, our first text tells us that everyone can have a place in that vine, in that organism, in that body. Everyone gets to be a leaf or a tendril or a branch. Everyone can be connected. After all, if Philip can overlook these obvious differences between him and the Ethiopian eunuch, 
things that would have made the foreigner ritually unclean and unable to ever be a real member. If Philip can overlook that, knowing the, the difference is there, certainly not ignoring it, but being willing to do God's will, which is to include everyone anyway by baptizing him, then it's true that this story shows us, it sets the precedent for the fact that everyone gets a spot. That's the point of the story, that if this foreigner gets a spot, then everyone has a place at the table, a connection to the life source. Our second reading does something else for us. It tells us what the life source is. Embodied in Jesus, visible to us in Jesus, the life source that connects us all, that makes it possible for us to have life abundant, is love. It is love that Jesus shows us, brings us, teaches us, and pushes up through the vine. It is love that sustains us and allows us to grow. God's love in the world, Jesus' love on the cross, and according to John, our love for each other. This is how we learn to be connected to God and to each other. This is how we learn what it means to abide in love, to abide in the vine, to be faithful, to be fulfilled by living in and abiding and choosing in love. Love, like Philip's, that sees the difference between him and the foreigner, but refuses to let that be an obstacle. Love like God's that provides for the foreigner and the outcast, sending Philip literally to welcome him in and make room. Love like Jesus's that is fierce but gentle, that sacrifices, that lays down its life. Love that is bold and strong. Love that casts out fear. Now, there are lots of folks who are invested in and love the Apostle Paul's writing about love, particularly that chunk in 1 Corinthians 13 that a lot of us know. And I love that passage too. But I think this passage from 1 John might be the best passage in all of scripture about love because it tells us exactly what love is and exactly how to do it. There is no guesswork. There's nothing to figure out. John literally just tells us what it is and how to do it. If we love, we love because we know who Jesus is. We cannot love God and not love our neighbor. We have to be willing to forgive, to be like Philip, to be like Jesus, to lay down our anger and to love our neighbors, to be people of love and compassion and peace in the world. Because the text tells us that no one who does not love a brother and sister that they have seen can love a God that they have not seen. And so this, this is how leaves, as, as tendrils, as leaves, we become part of the sort of creeping, viney effort of God to change the world around us, to take in the sun, the love that we can take in, to give back what we have and what we can to help with the growth of the vine, to aid and to help by doing our part, knowing that all that we are and all that we have comes from the one life source, which is Jesus, who is the very embodiment and source of love. So here's the good news today, very simplified. There is nothing about you or anyone else that disqualifies you or them ever from being part of the vine, from knowing love, from knowing life abundant in Jesus Christ, there is always room for you and for your neighbor. There is a spot, a connection, a place. And if you would plug in there, if you would connect, if you would be willing to be part of the body of Christ and part of the Jesus movement, if you are humble enough to put yourself in a position to receive, to make yourself vulnerable, 
and to love your neighbor. God will give you all that you need to live, not just now, but eternally. And God will give you all that you need to be useful now and to have life abundant, to be like Philip, to be sent to the people God is already providing for and to make them part of the movement too. The source of our life is love, the love of Jesus. And not only do we witness it in scripture, not only do we see it in the way he lived, but there is an opportunity for you to continue to receive it in real time, like a vine supplying the need for all of its branches. My friends, you are surrounded by that love and God is longing for you to know it and to feel it and to take it in. God who is closer to you than your very next breath is just waiting to fill you up with love and with all the things you need to live an abundant life in Jesus. And if you abide in that love and bear fruit, if you stretch yourself and turn towards that love like a leaf turns toward the sun, if you give back to the vine and to God and to the movement, some of what you've been given, you will do the work that only you can do to help the body grow in your little corner of the world, to help the vine stretch and spread out and change your little corner of the world. So that someday the whole world will see and know that things that had been cast down are being raised up and that things which had grown old are being made new and that all things are being brought to their perfection by him through whom all things were made. So, how well are you doing this Easter season, this year, at the end of this difficult season of distance? How well are you doing as part of the vine? Do you abide in this life-giving, overwhelming love? Do you love God and your neighbor? Or are you holding on to anger and grief and difference? Is God's love the life source, the grounding, the center of your being? Have you turned your leaf to the sun so that you can give back and support the life of the whole organism? Are you willing to be sent where God would send you and to do the work that you've been given to do, to help provide and to make room for, to welcome in those who need this good news and who want to belong, who need for you to show them the way? Are you bearing good fruit? and helping the vine to change your little corner of the world. Amen.